Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hello, welcome to episode 38 of SLP Talk Show. I'm Carrie. I'm here with my husband and honorary SLP, Jim. Hello. How are you? <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're back. I mean, I mean, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. I know. I bet, you know, you're right. <laughs> you are right. It has been a, a crazy uh, few weeks. I've been traveling around the country doing what I do, uh, all those professional development trainings all yeah. around the country. Some consulting in there, too. A little consulting, yeah. yeah. So here, how about we do a quick recap of everywhere I've visited since the last episode dropped. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so my Is this going to be like the, the Johnny Cash song? I've been to Reno. There no, we go. Where he goes yes. the whole If you could sing Sacramento. the whole song, that would yeah. be great. So no, I've been to Wentzville, which is a suburb of St. Louis. Right. Went did an early childhood conference there. Was the keynote speaker. Been to Salina, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Been to Beatrice, Nebraska. You I actually pronounced sp- it right too. Yeah, Beatrice. It's not Beatrice. Not Beatrice. No, no, no. Beatrice, Nebraska. I actually did a local presentation here in Kansas City, Missouri, which is unusual. I don't Boom. typically do that. Yeah. yeah. And then I spent a week uh, consulting with a school district out in Wyoming. So those were my in-person presentations. Then I've also done webinars uh, for groups in Oakland, California, Wilmington, Ohio, San Diego, California, and White Plains, New York. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. You've got the whole country covered there. I I tell you, that's what I do. I always think back to when I was a kid, and I literally never stopped talking. And I think it's so (laughs) funny now that I literally get paid to do what I do best, which is... Talk. Talk. Yeah. yeah. Get paid to talk. Get paid for verbal diarrhea. <laughs> verbal diarrhea. That is, that's that's the name <laughs> of my game. That's right. That's right. When we get done recording this, I have to do an all-day webinar. Yeah, uh, I So know. we are just... Yeah, so you just are glutton. You just, glutton, just you talk, want to talk all day. Talk, 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 talk. So before we jump into our discussion today, uh, Mr. Ebert, how about a quick game of chump or champ? I don't feel good about this. Oh, I do. This is actually, this is, you're going to get four for four. Did you handpick them for me? Oh, well, some of them. Okay, are you ready? So you always, you always give me the the softballs early and then the last one's like impossible. These are four softballs. Here we go. Okay. Daisies and brownies are the first two membership levels of what organization that your daughters both participated in? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for helping me with that one. Be Girl Scouts. Ding, 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 ding. What kind of animal is a gecko? Uh, It's a lizard. Ding, ding. What is the clothing worn by surgeons and other medical professionals called? Your daughter, who is a nurse. What does she wear? Scrubs. See, I told you these were softballs. And are you ready for your fourth softball? Okay. Are you ready? What is the name of Super Mario's brother in the video game Super Mario Bros? Oh, it's Luigi. See, I told you. I'm a genius. Four for four. I'm a genius. You are an absolute genius. 100%. Yes. All right. All right. So fun and games are over. You ready to get down to business now? Yep. Okay, so I thought what we'd do is spend just a few minutes today talking about building executive function skills in young children. Gotcha. And uh, I thought what I'd do first of all is start with more of a technical kind of definition or explanation of what executive function skills are. Okay. Okay. Um, So executive function skills are a set of mental processes that enable a person to... 
You ready? Here come nine points. Are you ready? Nine. Nine. Pay attention. Focus. Remember instructions. Control impulses. Complete tasks even amidst distractions. Plan. Organize. Be resilient. And be a flexible thinker. Hmm. That wow. is a mouthful. That's a lot right? of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. So um, a lot of this information that I'm going to talk about today comes from the Center on the Developing Child at Harvard University. It's a wonderful, they have a wonderful website with a lot of free information on there, a lot of free handouts, downloads, uh, videos. So make sure you check out Center on the Developing Child at Harvard University. But what I would like to do is give you a more user-friendly explanation of executive function skills because okay. it's really hard to remember those nine points yeah. like if somebody says what do you mean by executive function skills so here's how i explain it um, executive function skills are the foundation skills that help kids be ready to learn okay be ready to learn be ready to so learn. it's not what you know okay executive function skills doesn't have to do with knowledge right like, um, so it's what not, you've memorized oh, or you know your abc no or, no 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 yeah. executive function skills are those uh, we used to call them soft skills. Like mm -hmm. That was kind of a term floating soft around. Skills. Soft skills. Um, they, you could also consider them non-academic skills. I'm curious as to why they would call them soft skills because those seem like very concrete and skills. And they seem important. The reason yeah. is because they're hard to measure. So because you gotcha. can't like take data on how good is your working memory? How good is your mental flexibility? Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. So they're kind of more, they're, they're ab more abstract, I guess, than mm -hmm. does he know all of his letters? Can he recite, right. you know, can he count to 50? But they can, all seem so important. And they so are. I guess that's, they are yeah. so very important. Okay. So according to the Center on the Developing Child at Harvard University, there are three critical factors in developing uh, a strong foundation for executive function skills. Mm -hmm. So this is why in early childhood these are three of the most important things we focus on one is children's relationships with their caregivers okay. right it's really important that they have those those safe strong uh, relationships with their caregivers sure the second thing they need is opportunities for varied experiences okay so in this digital age in which right. we live where do our young children spend so much of their time? In front of a screen, In front usually. of a screen, yeah. sitting sedentary indoors. You know, one of the things um, that we know is that technology has brought childhood indoors. Right. I'm pretty sure you and I have had this conversation probably more than once on this podcast that mm -hmm. when we were kids, where did we hang out primarily? Outside. We were outside. I mean, I always say in a nutshell, the way you and I could probably – uh, describe our childhoods is that we played outside and we rode bikes yep. like that kind of just summarizes my childhood you know i mean yeah, but it's kind of gloomy today so i you know it reminds me of those days when i was a kid and and we would be like man can't go outside and then we'd sing the song rain rain go and come, <laughs> come again another day yes, yes. but and i was that, that's because it was so important for us to to be outside. To be outside because yeah. there was stuff to do outside. Absolutely. Inside, it was harder, so we would have to come well, up with our own games. And you stuff and like I, that, yeah, but... we had to rely on creativity because we got bored. Or we played board games, and that yeah. usually ended you know, in. Yeah, chaos. A wrestling a match or a wrestling something. match. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's just uh, well, you and I were both raised in an era where we didn't have a ton of store bought toys. Mm -hmm. I mean, would you agree with that? I don't remember having a ton. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, no, indoor play lot. was more, I, I think in general, when I was a kid, um, play was more about who you were with as opposed to what you owned. It wasn't about sure. material items. Play used to be more about the social aspect. Mm -hmm. And I feel like today play has become more about 
monetary, you know, tangible items. Whenever I ask a family about play, they're like, oh, well, I bought him these new toys. Or he or, has. Or like you said room. before about technology. Or, and now, yeah, because we have a new type of play now called screen-based play, sure. right? So we yeah. have to really acknowledge that. So opportunities for varied experiences are going to be critical for establishing these basic executive function skills. Okay. And then the third uh, uh, factor that young children that we have to consider in developing executive function skills is safe and stable environments where kids live, learn, and play, right? So we really need, kids need relationships, healthy relationships with caregivers. They need varied experiences, and they need safe and stable environments to live, learn, and play. So really, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot to put into three little little points, but it's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. It really yeah. is. So what I want to think about is, what is the purpose of early childhood education? And I just want you to think about that term in and of itself, early childhood education, okay? First of all, why are we educating two, three, and four-year-olds? Okay, I, I, this okay is just so a, that's where I, I guess I had a question. It's like, okay, how do you, what are you defining early childhood as? Well, early childhood education, when we think of ECE, early childhood education, is really three to five-year-olds, three right? Three to five-year-olds. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that we throw in there two-year-olds because a lot of our two-year-olds go to quote-unquote preschools now, right? Right, because so, um, of great inflation. Yeah, yeah. When you and I were kids, um, preschool wasn't even really a thing. I never went to preschool. My first formal schooling was kindergarten, so I never had a preschool um, experience. I did not go to preschool. Yeah, it wasn't really a thing back in the 70s when you and I were little. Um, but today, we know that early childhood education, preschool, if you will, mm-hmm. is a big deal. It's a big um, part of our society. There's an expectation that we raise productively scheduled children from the time they can walk, right? So um, there's there's this huge pressure. But I, I one of the things that I challenge uh, listeners to think about is the word preschool. So we all learned about prefixes and suffixes, you know, sure. when we went yeah. through education. So what does pre mean? Before. Before. Right. So what is preschool then? If you actually really talk about it, what does it mean? Yeah. Before school. So, so this goes back to a discussion and an argument that we've been having for the last <laughs> 30 years. I know exactly where you're going with this. pre-planning. Yeah, before you so plan. So to me, it's the thing you do before you actually plan. But you have seemed to... <laughs> welded those two things together it's the planning before the it's, planning no yeah. you're you're the you, you put them into one category where they're actually two so okay so that's make that's it i'm making your point though that yeah. it's it's pre it's before school it's, it's not before. actually school and so preschool shouldn't look like school right right so we go into these preschool these early childhood education classrooms right mm-hmm. and there's there's an expectation that kids are going to sit in little desks, you know, sit at little tables, that they're going to sit on little carpets, that they're going to sit still, be quiet, listen. Um, and it's really not how young children are wired to learn. No, well, they're not wired to even hardly do that yet. No, right? and I there's mean, an ex- and... yeah. So we have unrealistic expectations. Okay. Right? Because yeah, of that's the point. Because of this idea that preschool should look like a mini kindergarten classroom, mm-hmm. essentially. Okay. So um, I think one of the things we have to ask ourselves is what is the purpose of preschool? What is the purpose of early childhood education? So to get kids ready for school, right? This is one of the things. Oh well that's what preschool's for. We got to get kids prepared for school. So what I want to do is just challenge listeners to think for a little bit about the concept of school readiness okay and then what i want you guys to think about is is this is there a difference between school readiness and academic readiness 
because I would argue there is. Mm -hmm. I would argue that so much of what we focus on in early childhood education is actually academic readiness. Does he know his letters? Does he know his numbers? Sure. Right? Can yeah. he write his name? So it's all of these these skills tied to literacy and numeracy primarily. Mm -hmm. okay. And there's nothing wrong with introducing that. One of the, the stories, I, uh, examples I guess I like to give from our own life is when we first got married, I had purchased this very large, ornate letter E and it hung by our front door in mm -hmm. like our first couple houses. So we, cause our last name is Ebert, right? right so I had this right. big E and after we had children, every time I would have one of the girls, uh, on my hip, um, I would walk out the front door and I would say, there's the E, the E has three legs. E is for Ebert, you know, right. and I would just, and I would just expose them. That's called raising children in a print rich environment. And both of our girls, and I'm pretty sure Aaron as well, he just taught himself to read. So he's, because he's autistic, he's got a whole different story, but right. the girls knew, <clears throat> excuse me, knew the letter E long before uh, we ever tried to teach it to them. And it was right. just through exposure, mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't like I, I, there's, I'm not suggesting we shouldn't introduce children to literacy and numeracy concepts. We absolutely mm -hmm. can, but we should be doing it in context as opposed to force feeding it in an academic sure. way. Yeah. So I would argue that um, when people say, oh, we need to get these kids ready for school, they're not actually talking about school readiness. They're talking about academic readiness. Academic readiness. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that I, one of the visuals I like to give is an umbrella. So let's view the term school readiness as this umbrella term. So everybody have a picture of an umbrella in your head. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you to kind of use your your imagery your visual imagery right now and 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 i want you to think about this umbrella and under this umbrella of school readiness we have two purposes of early childhood education okay under one side of the umbrella we have executive function skills and these are the skills that help you be ready to learn and then on the other side uh, of the umbrella we have early academic skills so this is the what you learn right these are the concepts that prepare you for further learning these are your literacy and numeracy skills so i would argue true school readiness is an umbrella term that covers both executive function skills, mm -hmm. the skills that help you be ready to learn, and those early academic skills. Right. But I feel like what we've done is we've, we've just kind picked of, one. Yeah, we've just picked one, and we're f hyper focusing, not just focusing, but hyper focusing. And forgetting about the other yeah, side of things. Yeah, so. we're focusing on the mm -hmm. on the academics. So when I look at these boxed curriculums that are present in early childhood classrooms, I mean they all 100% focus on early academic skills. Okay, so they're not focusing on these learning to learn foundational uh, uh, executive function skills that are so critical. So I thought what we could do is, uh, this is just a, a list of, I took this right from my executive function seminar, but a list of some of the skills that young children need to be truly successful and ready for school. Okay. okay so let's talk awesome. about these. Would you agree that being able to focus and pay attention is an important learning to learn skill? Yes. Being able to focus, I, I right? Do, I do agree with that. How about completing boring tasks or non-preferred tasks? We all have to do that in life, right? Yeah. Not everything can be fun. No. If you have a four-year-old who really loves drawing and coloring, but doesn't love, you know, um, I don't know, doing fine motor activity, I don't know, you know, like um, lacing, let's say lacing cards or, you know, doing something like that. They may uh, not love to do it, but they have the ability, if they are truly ready for school, they're right. gaining that ability to do non-preferred activities, right? Okay. And to do it willingly. They might complain a little bit. You and I complain a little bit when we do non-preferred tasks, sure. right? Yep. I mean, got to clean, don't want to. Got to do the dishes, don't want it. Got to do laundry, don't want it. Got to mow the lawn, 
Well, now you want to mow the lawn. Yeah, I got a new mower. Jim got a new mower. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It goes fast. <laughs> it was like a golf cart out there. All right, so I digress. All right, how about managing their own materials? Um, when kids come in, they need to be able to hang their backpack up, right? Be mm-hmm. able to take their coat on and off. Be able right. to put their own crayons, get them out, put them away, right? Be able to take care of their lunch their lunchbox or whatever it is, okay? So being so able like to, being self-sufficient, yeah. not having other people do everything Yeah, and not you. just leaving a mess, you know, right. after your snack, right. putting your stuff Clean in the trash. Up cleaning up yeah i mean that's a skill that is really important uh for success uh in school okay how about this one being an effective communicator both with adults and with other kids Yeah, so that you you can say what you need or you know if you're bothered by something or bothered by somebody you know you know stand up for yourself right being able to self-advocate right that's one of the the things i think we forget is so important in communication is the ability to self-advocate well and i think if you have you know a lack there or you know struggle with it struggle mm-hmm. with communicating the, that can lead to more frustration and well, acting out and stuff can. like that absolutely so. so we know that that one of the things we want children to gain in early childhood is those really strong communication skills right okay um how about following directions right being able to follow whether it's one step two step three step <laughs> i don't know if you can hear our little puppies they're out there just having a party <laughs> they're one of them's howling sorry <laughs> Uh, see, I, I'm not I'm not focusing amidst distractions very well, but there that is go. a really important skill, That's a right? Good, good yeah. way to bring that. Yeah, back. yeah, being able to focus even amidst distractions. Okay, that is a really important executive function skill. Uh, building meaningful relationships with other people, right? I always say one of the the key things that we need to focus on in early childhood is helping kids learn how to make and keep friends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, there's this really cool book that I ordered. I could only find a used copy of it on Amazon because it, it, I think it was published like 30 years ago. I mean, it's it's really old. But when I saw it, I was like, this is amazing. And the book is called, <laughs> sorry, the, the pups are cracking me up. The, the book is called You Can't Say, You Can't Play. Right. And I love it so much because it really talks about how in our early childhood classroom, one of the rules is you can't say to another child, you can't play. Oh, okay. Because you think about how mean kids can be. Right, From a yeah. very young age, they start to isolate and discriminate against kids who are different, you know, yeah. who, who aren't part of their Well, sometimes group. it's, it's you know, girls want to play with girls, right, boys want to play right. with boys. So and the girls play. say, hey, I want to play with, I want to do that. And no, you can't. No girls allowed. No girls allowed. You can't play. You can't play with us. We're already, I, no. I mean, I can say I have been guilty of that. Yeah, well, I think, I think I that's, that's something probably everybody's experienced sure. on one side of the coin or the other. But I love the idea of creating a classroom rule in your early childhood room that right. says, you one can't. of our classroom rules is you can't say you can't play. Because nice. what that teaches is inclusivity, sure. right? Inclusiveness. Yeah. And I think we are raising the most accepting and inclusive generation of I children so. we've ever raised. I hope so. So I feel like we're on the right track. But being able to have meaningful relationships with other people, it doesn't mean you have to be friends with everybody, sure. but it means you have to practice kindness and acceptance. Well, and I think it, you, it, it gives you, you have to see things from their point of view too. And just taking. say, okay, well, yeah. all right, I appreciate your opinion exactly. and, and, and your side of things. Yep. and. Yep. Absolutely. You know, that's an important thing. Well, even adults are struggling with uh, perspective yeah. taking, right? Yeah. All righty. So how about being flexible, right? Mental mm-hmm. flexibility is a big uh, executive function skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, being creative and imaginative. Yep. Instead of just teaching children to do what they're told to do, okay, which is following directions, uh, we need to make sure kids also learn to think for themselves. Yeah. So that creative uh, problem Creativity saving, is a thing that we have to promote in this country. Innovative and, problem solving, right? I mean, without creativity... We're stuck. I mean, 
There's not going to be very many CEOs. Nope, Not going to be very many innovators. Or entrepreneurs, you know, yeah, innovators, right? Problem solvers. That's what we need for this, for the future. Yeah. I always think um, about how, you know, because I'm an a neurodiversity affirming provider and an, an autism advocate. And um, I remember when we went and saw Temple Grandin speak mm-hmm. uh, here in Kansas City. And yep. I remember how she explained. That was awesome, that by was the way. So neat, wasn't I love that I every minute of it. I know. I, I, I remember when she said, um, you know, you guys better be very grateful that there are people who think differently, that there are people right. who are um, uh, visual thinkers, you know, who, who view the world differently. And it just makes me think how, you know, uh, we better be very grateful that people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates that they preferred to tinker um, with electronics in their garage when they mm-hmm. were kids rather than, you know, maybe out on the football field or the basketball court because they um, were imaginative, they were innovative, they were creative, mm-hmm. and they were they were drawn to their passion and how grateful we have to be today that there are people who think differently, right? That we, well, yeah. that we honor that passion and that um, creativity, and we need to make sure that we're not um, giving that all up in the name of making kids smarter. Right. You yeah. Know, focusing on academics and not focusing on other it Takes all skills. kinds of brains, all kinds of perspectives. All kinds of minds, right? Um, someone told me, and I can't remember, maybe I read this somewhere. I don't have anything to cite on it specifically, but I remember um, uh, hearing that MIT, that when you apply to MIT, mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the questions they now ask on the application is, how much did you tinker as a child? Like tinkering right. is actually a skill set that they want to see because they want to know that you're not just book smart, right? Yeah. That you have the ability to be a visual thinker. To problem solve. To problem solve and to be innovative, right? That was one of the questions they asked me when I applied to work for Garmin years ago. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Absolutely, was you one of the are things. A tinker. <laughs> when we homeschooled the girls, do you remember when? Oh yeah, we, we would, would do have junk science. Junk science. Yeah. We'd go to Goodwill or something and let them pick out an electronic, or you'd just get an old boombox oh, or something it was, out of the it was garage. Usually something that you know was we not had. working anymore, and right. let them take it apart. Let them take it apart. See what the components were. Such a see neat how they thing. worked together. How you connected everything. All that is so important. And it's such a great. And it's part something of we education. take for granted mm-hmm. every single day. Is the fact that. You know, it may have taken 50 hours of engineering to design this one part that goes into Mm -hmm. 150 other parts. Exactly. So it is amazing, isn't it? It is. And so I hope that, um, or or not not even hope, I guess I wish uh, that we understood that education is more than memorizing facts and regurgitating them on a test. I'm very concerned about where education is right now. We're still adhering to this lecture-listen model of education where mm-hmm. students are expected to sit still, be quiet. Someone lectures at them. Even though we live in the digital age, we live in the age of information. If you want to know how many teeth a shark has, you don't need to memorize it. You no. can ask uh, Siri or Alexa or you can Google it in 0.2 seconds. You can have your answer. Right. You know, If you need to know what year a war started or ended, um, we live in an era where information is readily available. So education should no longer be about teaching kids facts education should be teaching children how to find information that mm-hmm. is readily available and then how to um uh, collaborate and 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 create new things right and yeah. and what what you do with that information it shouldn't be about just memorizing yeah. information and, and, and you know you can google all those things a lot of things in science a lot of things mm-hmm. that are hard facts and mm-hmm. math and all that stuff but you can't google creativity you cannot google creativity and that's one of the things you yeah. know that we need to promote in this country is is art and music. Fine arts. Yep, fine and, arts. And yep. 
because I, I feel like this is one of the things that's getting left behind. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they tried really hard to change STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, to STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, math. It should you know? be. So they, they've tried to uh, make that because they realized, ooh, when we leave out the fine arts, we're missing right. a huge component of, of the brain. Sure. And, um, so, okay, let's get back to the executive function skills that prepare children to be successful in school. How about being persistent? Mm-hmm. And how about being resilient, right? Yeah. So I know I've given this analogy before, the little rubber bouncy balls we used to play with when we were kids. Right. That is the analogy for resiliency, is in life you are always going to fall, kid. And so what I need you to know is that you're going to fall and you can do hard things. And when you fall, you're going to get up and you're going to try it again, okay? And that's what we have to be. We have to be bouncy balls in this thing called life because every single day you're going to be faced with adversity. Right. There is not a day that goes by that you are not going right. to uh, fail, that you're not going to have things go wrong. You're going to get a flat tire. You know, you're going to lose your job. You're going to, I mean, you're going to fight with your significant other. I mean, right. things are going to happen, right? Things are definitely going to happen. Uh, and so we want to uh, teach children growth mindset. Not, mm-hmm. not be a fixed mindset. Like I think about how um, I had a lot of a fixed mindset growing up where I would say like, I'm not good at math. Mm-hmm. And that's fixed mindset. Okay. Right. Instead of saying, oh, I'm still learning, you know, right. and I, I, I need to keep practicing. Yeah. Right. And Something so, I want to learn, uh, learn more about, about and, and improve on. Right. Instead of saying, I'm not good at science or I'm not good at writing or I'm not good at reading. It's really about uh, acknowledging that we all have strengths. Mm-hmm. And we all have um, struggles, right? Yeah. And so we want to uh, really think about our strengths and, um, you know, uh, 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 pick a, 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 a road in life that really focuses on our strengths. I've always said I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely a language person. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, writing and reading is, is always been um, where my passion is. But instead of saying I'm bad at math, right, that's more that fixed mindset. Say, oh, we just need to learn different strategies for being successful at those things. Mm -hmm. Um, How about being able to control your impulses? Yeah. Impulse control is a big one. And so we know in early childhood we have kids who are hitting, biting, you know, screaming, yelling. Yeah. Um, and even adults do those things sometimes. Right? Yeah. 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 And then like at the checkout line when there's a snicker there. and just, You can't can't help it. Yeah. 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 The M&Ms. You should yeah. probably not get that. Yeah. Controlling impulses, thinking before you speak or act, right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very yep. important skill that some of us are still working on. Uh, how about the ability to wait? Would you agree that waiting is a life skill? I, yeah, I think it's it's getting harder and harder in this age of immediacy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we can... Instant gratification right. as opposed to delayed gratification. And I think that, that you know, it, it's, it makes sense because when kids are exposed to this immediate, you know, gratification mm-hmm. pretty much... They get wired to demand it. Then, then it beca- when it's not there, then it's really hard. I think it's much harder, right, you know, because right. we're bored all the time as kids. Boredom is the most important component of childhood, boredom. Literally, um, if your kid doesn't tell you they're bored at least once a week, your kid is overscheduled. Mm-hmm. It's so important that kids are allowed to get bored and that when kids do have to, or when they are bored, when they are, you know, waiting for the next big thing to happen, that they don't always go to their screens for uh you know enjoyment that they can find other things to do other than and i think uh, it's important that parents just give themselves um a break from having to schedule them and not feel any sort of guilt or or um that 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 
it's wrong for their kids to be bored. Right. That we're not doing enough. And it's right? because of we live in a society where busy is an expectation. Sure. That if you're not busy, uh, then you're clearly not doing enough. If you're not, as a parent, an Uber driver, essentially transporting your child from one enriching adult-directed activity to another, then you're clearly not doing enough. And so, yeah, taking that, choosing that narrow path um, is really important for our kids' mental health. If you've never read the book, The Hurried Child uh, by Dr. David Elkind, uh, it's a wonderful book that yeah. really talks about the mental health woes that come with overscheduling young children. So uh, just a couple more here uh, of the executive function skills that help kids be ready uh, for school. Uh, how about being able to regulate your own emotions and your own behavior? Right, That's a really yeah. important skill. Oh, and yeah. then the ability to self-advocate. And when we talk about self-advocacy, we want children to learn how to self-advocate with words, not with actions. Sure. Right? Yep. So um, not all words will be spoken. I'm a speech-language pathologist. Uh, we know that some children are going to be using signs. Some kids are going to use gestures. Some are going to be using a voice output. Or behaviors. High-tech device. And if they don't have access to language, then they will use behaviors. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we need to make sure that we are teaching children to self-advocate. Three most important words. Phrases that uh, young children, uh, very young children need if they're in a group setting. No, mine, stop it. Because if they don't have no, mine, and stop it, they will hit, bite, pinch, scratch, shove, throw, you know, yeah. scream. So children need to learn, to, Should every human being has a right to uh, defend themselves and their property, right? So if a child, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but it's true, right? So yeah. if a child is taking your toy, you should have a right to say, no, stop yeah. it. That's mine, yeah. right? You can have it when I'm done. And that's teaching be like if somebody was trying to take your phone from you. Exactly. You're not going to just be like, oh, no, okay, I'll phone. share. I'll share with you. Sure. You want to take turns with this yeah so just a few things to know about executive function skills okay number one nobody's born with them but they can be learned oh number two our genes provide the blueprint for learning these executive function skills but the way they develop they develop in life is through varied experiences mm -hmm. and practice okay number three adults set up the environment for children to learn and practice these executive function skills over time now here's the problem i have we are not explicitly teaching executive function skills and I think we should be. And here's why. And I think we should be doing it starting in early childhood. And here's Ooh, why. This is good. This is the best. Are you ready? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Executive function skills develop most rapidly between ages three and five. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Between ages uh, three and five. Is, now, that the, is, is that brain development? Does that track along with that, or is well, that that's just specific. The prefrontal cortex, okay. executive function skills. The biggest spike is from age three to five. Mm -hmm. There is then another spike in executive function skill development during adolescence, um, and it's a much. Um, uh, it's not nearly as it's as not as sharp steep. As, yeah, as, of, of a peak, if you will. Um, but from age twelve to twenty-five, there is another gradual uh, incline there. But from age three to five, it is literally this steep. In, it's just so fascinating to look at um, the graph that uh, uh, Harvard uh, has put out. So it's it's pretty amazing. So That's what awesome. I would like to do is just make this part one of executive function okay. skills. And awesome. I thought what we would do then is record uh, a part two where we'll go more into the specifics of um, how to support the development of executive function skills in early childhood. What do you think? Sounds great to me. All right. Very good. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of SLP Talk Show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues to give us a listen. So as you go back into the uh, real world, get out there, be kind, be accepting, be present, put your screens down for a bit, hang out with the people you love most in this world. And please, please, I'm begging you, get your mammogram. Early detection could save your life. As a 10-year 
almost 11 years. Wow. We are so close to 11 years uh, as a breast cancer survivor. Um, I know that early detection certainly saved my life. So until we meet again, cheers.